0: Hey everybody, and welcome back to a new episode of Live from Pawnee. I'm Alan, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Mark. Mark, how are you doing today? Hello, sir, Alan. I am beyond excellence, man. I am coffeeed up and ready to go. I have discovered here lately, Mark, that there is no amount of coffee and caffeine and Diet Dr. Pepper that is enough to really fuel this need I have for a really, really long nap, and I don't know how to get past it.
1: Yeah, there's no replacing a, a good long nap. But, you know, science no. is presenting us with a new, uh, a new uh, molecular structure. It actually has an extra caffeine molecule. They haven't released oh, it to the public yet. I can't right. wait.
0: That's going to be awesome. Does that come with my third COVID vaccine? How do I get that?
1: They will slip it into your food and drink whether you want it or not.
0: Oh, and okay. One so of those.
1: You'll, you'll just become really excited one day, I think.
0: <laughs> I cannot wait. I'm looking <laughs> forward to the day. All right. Well, Mark, this week, as you know, and as our our viewers are about to know, we're talking about season two, episode nineteen, Park Safety. Woohoo. Woohoo. This episode first aired on March eighteenth of twenty ten. This one was written by Aisha Murar, uh, who's a producer and writer. Um, she's got fingerprints all over uh, Good Place. Um, she produced 13 of those episodes, 22 Parks and Rec episodes. Um, she also wrote a couple of the Good Place episodes and 14 Parks and Rec episodes. And she was an executive story editor on 16 different Parks and Rec episodes. So quite a bit. So, um, you know, hopefully one of these days we can figure out a way to, to talk with her.
1: Holy cow, that is uh, impressive! You know how much I like the Good Place.
0: Yeah, the Good Place is an excellent show that I've only recently started. I think that was my confession a while back. And mm. you, you early in the in this uh, podcast series, Mark, I think confessed that you hadn't really fully engaged in Parks and Rec season seven until this year. So we we both had a little catching up to do.
1: Well, last year, but you know it, it's all become a blur. Look, but yes, like I
0: said, I need that nap <laughs> really bad, and it's all one big thing to me. I don't know what you're talking about.
1: It, well, and, you know, my also my other confession was I actually hadn't watched the great series Brooklyn Nine-Nine.
0: Oh, yeah, that's right. More so I, I
1: am proceeding through that extremely funny show. I'm, oh, yeah. I'm very pleased Absolutely. with it. Yep.
0: Well, and there's a there's a special tie in to Brooklyn Nine-Nine today, which I'll get to here in just one second. Oh, tell me more. Well, give me one second. and I will tell you more. All right. Well, this episode was directed by Michael Trem. Michael's typically, uh, I think, a DP, director of photography, um, did a bunch of weeds, I think like 47 of those episodes, 33 different parks and recs. He directed this one, though. um, I don't know if he was the director of photography on this one. In addition to directing, I suppose you could do both those jobs at the same time um, if you had both skill sets. But this is, I I think, the first of four episodes for uh, for Michael, and uh, this was the second of four for Aisha, I forgot to say that. Nice. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, I'll get to the thing now, Mark. You don't have to wait too long. Oh, uh, good. So the Brooklyn tie in 99 today happens to do with our guest stars. Uh, yeah. Who is it? Who, you don't know, do you? No. I, 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 I
1: haven't read the thing. So yeah, I, I just wing this.
0: <laughs> well, one, you know, one of the things I love about the writers of Parks and Rec is when they do introduce a new character. There is usually some ridiculous name they've given them. They yes. come up with these awesome last names, and today is no different. Uh, today's guest star, Andy Sandberg, of course, from Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Yay! Uh, we, we love you, Andy. Uh, <laughs> he plays the really, really loud and awesome Carl Lorthner. Oh, Lorthner. yeah! I
1: remember that guy!
0: <laughs> yeah, he, he's great. He is great. Uh, Phil Reeves is back as Paul Iresco, the city manager. And the amazing and talented Mo Collins is back as Joan Calamezzo. And well, Mark, would you like to give us some synopsis so that we can talk about the show?
1: Yes. Thank you for using the grammatically correct term. Um, <laughs> it rhymes with diseases. I never knew
0: that before. Synopsis. Well,
1: it rhymes with diseases. Is, 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 is. Um, <laughs> yes, it does. All right. So for, for this one. You know, I was kind of torn here because it seems like the vast majority of this episode was consumed by what I'm definitely going to call the A story. The B story, it, you know, it was almost a throwaway, but I thought, you know what, I'm going to mention That's it. Like, I think I think yeah. it deserves its own little mini platform, at least. Look,
0: if for no, no reason other than the mention of beanbags, it needs its own storyline. <laughs>
1: well, all right. I may have gone I may have zigged when you thought I was going to zag, so we'll see what the judges say. Here. Oh, okay, all right, all right, fair enough. So here's what I have is the A story, Jerry, the symbol of failure. That's my title. Um, when Jerry gets mugged while refilling the park's hummingbird feeders, ostensibly, uh, Leslie starts to feel bad about how much they make fun of Jerry and urges the gang to show some show some restraint. Uh, Leslie, Tom, and Jerry meet with Carl Lorithner who you just mentioned, a park security ranger who is incredibly loud, but oblivious to the fact, um, hoping to figure out a way to make the park safer. After Carl mentions the area is largely unprotected due to budget cuts, Leslie vows to get more funding. uh, To accomplish this, she goes on Pawnee today with the great host, Joan Calamezzo, uh, saying the Pawnee government failed the parks uh, and that the security is poor. Um, City manager is angry over the television appearance but informs Leslie the stunt work and the mayor's offering uh, 2,500 bucks to help fix the park. However, at a press conference about the money, Jerry makes a confession to Leslie that perhaps things happened a little differently than he said. What will happen? What is the confession Jerry makes to Leslie? Will the gang continue to make fun of him? Stay tuned to find out, dot, dot, dot.
0: Very nice. I love it.
1: And then I had as the the B story, which there wasn't a lot of content here, but enough. Uh, I just called it and Andy April, a love triangle. So I said, during a talking head, uh, Anne says Andy is a fun person, but a terrible boyfriend because he's completely relying on others. Uh, while learning self-defense from Ron, and takes down Andy with a wrist grab, making April jealous. Uh, Andy is accidentally knocked out by Ron. Anne brings Andy gifts at the shoeshine to make him feel better, also making April jealous. But we've seen Andy actually think of others in the recent past, including doing lots of stuff for April. Are things changing between Andy and Anne? How does he feel about April? Will April use her new self-defense knowledge to attack Anne? Only time will tell, dot, dot, dot. So judges?
0: Yeah, you definitely zigged when I thought you were gonna zag. Uh I inverted that whole thing. Oh no. So the correct answer for storyline B would have been, Ron (laughs) offers to teach the team self-defense techniques in light of Jerry's mugging and unintentionally and minorly injures and humiliates Andy in the process. And then some love triangle stuff happens, too. See, I um, I, I put more emphasis on the whole self-defense thing. But you know what? I don't know that there's a right answer here, Mark. It all happens. Well, clearly,
1: Alan, you're a fan of war and I'm a fan of love. So, yeah, you know,
0: that, that yeah. says so much. Yes, I was born <laughs> under the red moon of Mars and uh, yeah, you're Venus or something. I don't know.
1: Yeah, I'd heard that.
0: Yeah,
1: <laughs> but, but I think, you know what, I think we we're kind of sort of focusing on the same thing. We are just concentrating on different aspects of They're
0: it. They're all in the same buckets. Yeah. Yep. yeah, absolutely. You put the emphasis on the different syllable than I did.
1: I certainly did.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: All right. All right. Let's, we're all let's going stop that. that, yeah. that was, let's be done with that. Yeah, that was
0: pretty good, though. All yeah. right. Well, Mark, let's move into our AKAs really quick here. Our fans, our fan, that guy, Larry, that keeps saying, hey, good job, guys. I don't know if anyone else even listens. but
1: Thank goodness for Larry.
0: Yeah, thank God for Larry. He loves it when we come up with these AKAs, which are better than the titles that NBC gives out. What did you come up with this week, Mark?
1: Well, like you said, you know, we can do any day of the week, even, even today for crying out loud, we can do better than NBC does. Um, So I've tried not to use too many AKAs here. I did come up with two, uh, one because I thought it was indicative of the episode overall and the other one just because it made me freaking laugh uh, and hopefully we'll have no overlap. But the the one that made me laugh is um, when Ron is commenting on uh, uh, how to defend someone's uh, oneself from a a criminal. And he he simply says... uh, there is no shame in
0: attacking a criminal's beanbag oh
1: oh no, <laughs> i don't know oh, what no. happens
0: next <laughs> this oh, it happened all the right it came all right
1: bye bye folks this has been fun
0: <laughs> <laughs> 35 weeks in and that's it it's a shame that we couldn't have finished this series but i think law requires yeah. i mean you know gr- greater greater upon we had a good run
1: <laughs> yeah it was
0: fun while it lasted nah. so, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no
1: we're just kidding this has happened before. this this did happen once before didn't it
0: i i, I don't know that it ever we, we really had an overlap really ha- well did we i know yeah, we got we, darn close yeah
1: okay no we had an overlap it was the one where we actually put like one each and it was it i mean it was like really
0: oh that's right what are the odds yeah i remember that it was very scary okay so we matched on the b storyline yes yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> so beanbag. Yes.
1: yes. Uh, my, my AKA uh, is, is that I feel like is pretty good uh, uh, encapsulation of maybe what the episode is all about is uh, when, when it was part of when Jerry's in his presentation and, and uh, he <laughs> says, um, my marbles are full of mouth today. <laughs> Which I don't know <laughs> why that struck me as really funny, but it's the whole bumbling aspect of it just really reminded me of Jerry in this episode in
0: general. I love it. Well, what you got. You, well, you know what one of mine is cuz we we share it and and yep. what a what a classic line. There is no shame in going for the beanbag. So, we all agree on that. Nope. Um but my my yep. other aka was from Leslie and there's a scene where later, you know, Jerry reveals something I won't spoil it quite yet to to Leslie and he says, and they're trying to just like, why, why, why would you do this? And she says, you know. And Larry says, because you know what Tom would say. <laughs> and Leslie envisions it for us, and she says, "Damn, Jerry, what would you? <laughs> what would you do for a conduct so good. Kill your wife? <laughs> I, I, I want a shirt. This is damn, Jerry. Oh, so good." Yeah. Anyway, I,
1: I, I want to talk about that specific line later,
0: but I'm going to wait. Fair enough. Yeah. Well, we'll have, we'll, we'll, no, okay. we'll see yep. if it makes sense to play it. And if not, we'll certainly talk about it. All right. Well, Mark, let's move into then our breakdown of the episode and let's get this thing going.
1: Break it down, break it down. All right. Well, we'll, uh, we'll go to the cold open here. Uh, it looks like it was, uh, 65 seconds and, uh, plot relevant. Um, we're at the bullpen in City Hall. And Leslie walks in and announces it's time for the hummingbird lottery, and, and it, which is to see who's going to refill the hummingbird feeder she had installed in all the parks. Uh, she has everyone write their name down, and you know no one's no one wants to do it. No one's really no. excited about it. They're like oh, no. I don't want to do it. Not me. Not me. Not me. No, no one's excited. Well, Leslie draws a name, and it's Jerry, who kind of verbally uh, mopes a little bit. That like, gosh, just my third time in a row. And the gang commiserates with him and pats him on the back. Sorry, man. But then in a series of talking heads, very quick talking heads, we learn yes. that everybody puts down Jerry's name instead of their own. Leslie is kind of the exception who uh, ostensibly does put in her own name, but then also puts <laughs> in about 20 extra Jerry's. So, yeah, because, <laughs> you know, she's honest, but she also wants to be safe.
0: Well, right. Yeah. Not, not clearly right. as dishonest as Donna or Tom. Or April, no, for that matter. Yeah, no, yeah. It was a funny cold open, too. You know, Mark. I actually, uh, we occasionally play a deleted clip, uh, and and today is one of those days. I'm going to play this deleted clip because there's a during the the canon part of the uh, the cold open, Leslie talks about how hummingbirds mm. are scientifically the, the cutest animals in the world. Uh, then I sure. think she convinces herself actually that baby monkeys and diapers are maybe a little cuter, but. On the delete yeah. scenes, they did some alts that are very interesting to me. And the, there was apparently a near apocalypse inside of Parks and Recreation fandom that we did not even know almost happened. I'm going to play this clip and then we'll talk oh, about geez. it. Scientifically, hummingbirds are the world's cutest animals. And the list is very simple. Hummingbirds, tiny monkeys, little otters, and those kittens that don't grow past the size. But you know what isn't cute? Miniature horses. They're just weird. And I don't care if you're a baby. If you're a snake, you're ugly. <laughs> so it made me laugh. But wow. then I was also horrified while I was laughing. You know what this means? It means that little Sebastian almost didn't happen. Because how could I, it?
1: I have? don't even want to talk about this. This I know. This makes me so sad. Ron it's would like punch this, somebody. This little sub- oh, it, right. right. Yes. Like someone punching will happen, but but you know what? It's not canon. So so we're gonna we're just gonna pivot on our toes and walk <laughs> away from this. <laughs> but I, I'm with you though. This is really interesting that they happen to choose that as one that Leslie kind of rebelled against, saying, "Look, yeah. people think this is cute. It's not like uh-huh. weird.
0: Yeah, I I couldn't think of another deleted scene that could have sh- so vastly impacted the course the show took and caused it to have needed to take a different direction if that makes sense all the words i just said in that yeah. order there yeah i i just it shocked me i guess so anyway thank god that they cut that scene out
1: yes i i yeah. agree that, that could have yeah. changed the entire future
0: yeah oh my goodness All right. Well, from the cold open, we're going to find ourselves over at the conference room at the Parks Department and Leslie's addressing the team and and teeing up this upcoming children's concert series.
1: Yeah, so we see you know Tom and April and Donna and Ron are listening to Leslie's uh, presentation uh, in a meeting room and apparently Jerry is supposed to be up next but he isn't there and the gang instinctively you know starts to mock him like you know how long does it take to fill bird feeders I'm Jerry blah you know but everyone's everyone's laughing except for Ron which I thought was kind of interesting who doesn't mm-hmm. seem he doesn't seem for or against making fun of Jerry he's kind of just observing it like with a slight smile Yeah, Um, And and, uh, then we hear from a story perspective Leslie's cell phone rings And Anne is apparently calling And she apparently has some bad news Um, Ron, just real quick, has a great little talking head here As he's kind of observing everybody, you know, making fun of Jerry And he says, uh, David Myers, the Jewish guy who works at City Hall Once told me something, a schlemiel is the guy who spills soup at a fancy party. A schlamazel is the guy he spills it on. Jerry is both the schlamiel and the schlamazel of our office.
0: <laughs> I loved it. You know, if he had gone on to explain to me what Hassan Pfeffer Incorporated was, I could have lived a full life after that.
1: That just made up words.
0: <laughs> I don't know. For our Laverne and Shirley fans out there. I uh, love it. Yeah. Well, from the parks, uh, from there, because of the phone call, we find ourselves over at Pawnee General and Leslie and the team are rushing in to visit Jerry and make sure that he's OK.
1: Yes, yes. We cut to the hospital and and Ann's with Jerry and, and they all arrive. And, you know, Leslie's all hyped up. You know, somebody better tell me something. And and, and tells them that Jerry has a couple of scrapes and a dislocated shoulder, but he's going to be fine. And Jerry tells the gang that he was mugged while walking his his dog uh, lord sheldon uh, Ooh, is that some uh,
0: kind of weird sex act like, like that, that is, <laughs> april.
1: That is, this is this is one of the funniest i, I just have to pause to uh, appreciate what happened here yeah jerry says <laughs> <laughs> jerry says i was on my way to the hummingbird feeders and i was walking lord sheldon and like you said april goes <laughs> ew is that code for some kind of weird sex act this is brilliant jerry says <laughs> lord sheldon's like very sweet like very yeah. earnest he, he said lord sheldon is my dog my wife named him april <laughs> says in the exact same tone ew <laughs> it's, it's almost like lord sheldon walking lord sheldon being a code for a sex act and his wife better. naming yeah. his dog is on the same level of ew
0: yeah well i love that <laughs> so anyway it, it is april
1: so Jerry just tells them, look, this is what happens. Some kids came out of nowhere. They pinned my arm. They grabbed my wallet and they knocked me to the ground. And um, <laughs> I, I think the only other thing of note is just, you know, this is where our mutual AKA, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, came from. Cause Ron's interested. Like, well, uh, clearly you were attacked. How did you counter fist to the throat? Did you hit him in the beanbag? There's no shame in attacking a criminal's beanbag. And Jerry said, I just curled up and laid still till they left. I'm like, yeah,
0: well, that's, <laughs> that's another, another way to play, another way it. To play yeah. it.
1: Yeah. So. <laughs>
0: Oh goodness! Well, you know that that's a very individualistic thing. You get, you know, no one knows until they're in the moment,
1: and then I think this ends just very, very quickly with a, a scene where uh, Leslie is driving her Tom and April uh, back to City Hall from the hospital, and Leslie, she kind of feels like. Maybe they're kind of responsible for what happened to Jerry, you know? Um, but Tom and April don't seem to feel too badly, like they just continued to make fun of him, you know, blah, blah, blah. But I think Leslie's starting to have some some issues here.
0: Yeah, she's worried it's karma. And then Tom says, Well, wouldn't it be if it were karma, wouldn't we be the ones that got mugged? <laughs> Jerry, you can't
1: even get karma
0: right. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I think we'll probably mention punching back Jerry before the end of the day, I'm pretty sure. <clears throat> oh my gosh, yeah. Well, from here, Leslie and the team, they've, they've headed back to City Hall and they've reassembled in the bullpen. And, you know, I think Leslie's about to give them a call to action here.
1: Yes, she is. She, she marches into the bullpen um, with a poster of Jerry, who apparently the poster has a black eye now. I don't I know. It. Just just the visual, I guess. And with yeah. a caption at the bottom of the poster, safe parks now and hangs it up to motivate the gang. And Leslie then hands out folders to everyone containing their assignments and and some uh, homemade taffy. Um, April's going to go check in with the police liaison. Donna's going to go to Ramsey Park. Uh, Tom is going to join Leslie on the air and she's going to run. And then Ron chimes in that that he wants to help as well by teaching everybody self-defense. And Leslie thinks that this is a good idea since they are all weaklings especially Tom uh, and then th- there, there's a very funny little you know thing at the end where Tom you know refutes this I'm not a weakling you know and April's like arm wrestle me now and so Tom and, and teeny little April start going at it and he's like, I think I'm holding my own and he's like holding on to the edge of the table he's straining but you know he hadn't gone down yet.
0: No, but I think he might depend if the camera had stayed there I'm pretty sure I know who would have won that one. yeah,
1: I think you're right.
0: Well, over at the shoeshine booth, Andy is counting out some big bucks when Ann approaches and uh, nearly causes him to lose his count.
1: <laughs> Three, four, five. <laughs> Hold on one second. Six. Six. <laughs> <laughs> so after the near uh, near catastrophe with him counting money, yeah, Ann walks up and, and lets him know that she just dropped off Jerry from the hospital and that he was mugged in the park, you know, just kind of letting him in know what the what's going on in the news there. Um, and Andy's concerned at first thinking that it's a different Jerry that he knows, but then he learns that it's, you know, parks and rec, Jerry, and he starts cracking up. <laughs> like, I mean, it's a bummer, but you know, it's still funny. Um, and then Andy asks Anne her opinion of a possible new band name, scrotation Marks. And and tells them they got to stop changing their name because people can't be fans if they don't know the name of the band they're listening to, which Andy thinks is a good point. Um, And I think this this scene ends with a with an talking head.
0: Well, following that talking head, Leslie reenters the bullpen and she finds Tom and April have created this amazing welcome back banner for Jerry.
1: Yeah. You know, they they established that Jerry is going to be fine and he's going to be back on his way to the to the the city hall here pretty soon and so i think for the last hour or so tom and april have been putting together an awesome awesome presentation of like like three pieces of printer paper that say welcome back jerry (laughs) um and and leslie's a little dismayed at this uh you know some scotch
0: tape in there too i think
1: There's some scotch tape because Leslie, on the other hand, in the last hour, has apparently made a beautifully embroidered pillow with Jerry's picture on it that says "We love you, Jerry," which is amazing. Um, So then, just very, very shortly after that, Jerry enters the room and they all cheer, "Hey, you know, Jerry's back!" and and Leslie is making a big deal about this. Like she feels really bad for Jerry. She wants to make it Jerry Day, and they want she wants them to do whatever he wants. But Jerry just says, "Well, guys, come on now. I just, th- I just want things to go back to normal." And Ron says, "You know, awesome. This, I think you were about to give a presentation. Why don't we just go ahead and do that?" He's like, "That's fine." And so Jerry goes to prepare for the the presentation, and Leslie turns to the rest of the gang, and she's still she's trying to keep them in check. Like, look, right. you, you gotta rein yourselves in as far as making fun of Jerry. He just went through this trauma. Be cool. He needs lots of support. <laughs> he, he, he does. He really does.
0: Uh, well, back in the conference room, Jerry is about to give his presentation. And, you know, I, I think based on this this uh, advice or this request from Leslie, everyone is prepared to really just kind of be serious and take this serious.
1: Yes. All guards are up against making fun of Jerry, despite how much that may be their their instinct, you know, at, at this point. So. Jerry starts bumming through this presentation and, you know, Alan, it, it's a shame that so much of this is visual because oh if, if somehow if, if they really were viewers at yes. home, truly, yeah. right. we, I would love to play this clip because it's just tremendously funny. Uh, but we'll do the best we can just to talk to her just really briefly.
0: I, I'm going to work with I'm going to work with Constantine this week and we're going to try and put it on the Instagram account. We, we haven't done a lot of video, but we're going to give it a try.
1: That would be awesome. Yeah. Good job. But tell guys. us
0: what happens, because I think it's it's only right. three seconds before Jerry trips over a chair.
1: Jerry starts bumbling through his presentation. He trips over a chair. Uh, the, the presentation doesn't come up on the projector. Leslie doesn't think his computer's plugged in when it <laughs> does come up. The wrong picture comes up. So I think he meant to show a graph, for example. And instead, it's a picture of Jerry during his vacation to Muncie, which Tom cannot mm-hmm. believe um, when the graph does finally come up. He mispronounces the word trout, like the fish, <laughs> as twout, twout, with that wubble u. <laughs> he misspeaks a common phrase, which is the source of one of my AKAs. Huh, oh, guys, my marbles are full of mouth. And then <laughs> looking for his glasses, to just top this off, this awesomeness, he walks over to the corner, bends down to look for his glasses, rips his pants, and he lets out a haymaker of a fart. <laughs> <laughs> and at this point, you know, a, a, as we pointed out, Leslie's kind of got the gang on guard. Look, oh be cool. Gosh. We're trying to give Jerry support. We don't want to make fun of him. The gang are they're all losing their minds, oh trying to keep quiet and not laugh. You look at Donna's face particular. Oh. She is about to go
0: nuts. <laughs> but, <laughs> but they're April. trying. Even even oh Raga is working really hard here. <laughs> Yes. It's impartial. Even Ron, He's I been agree. to this point. He's about to have had it. Yeah. Well, Mark, I, I thought this would be an excellent time. You know, we haven't done this a lot. We talk, you know, Pawnee, obviously, is one of the things we talk about a lot because, well, you know, the show and such. But Muncie, Indiana, right? I mean, let's let's talk some Muncie facts here real quick, because Jerry is not only, sure. you know, gone there for what his honeymoon, they own a timeshare there. So, oh, my I, gosh. Yeah, yeah. Beautiful Muncie, which it's, uh, a, it's a beautiful, beautiful city. It really is. You know, I think the population's about 70,000. Uh, yeah, that's the last time the stats were available, Mark. And, uh, you know, it's in the Eastern time zone, (laughs) um, about 27 square miles. Dan Ridenauer is the current mayor, uh, founded in 1827 and incorporated in 1854. Um, it also is roughly about an hour from Indianapolis. So. I just thought those were interesting facts, you know, uh, and I'm sure that they have an excellent uh, tourism bureau as well. So look it up and uh, plan your vacation getaway to Muncie.
1: I agree with everything that Alan just said. <laughs> well done.
0: Yeah. Maybe um, Dexart Destinations could set us up with a deal.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. Those guys are great.
0: <laughs> they really are. They really are. And they're a proud, proud sponsor of Pawnee, uh, Live from Pawnee, whatever the show is called. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Whatever it takes, Bob. Uh, good job.
0: Thank you. Well, you know, following this scene, Leslie and Tom are in their office and they're preparing for some sort of mysterious 1 p.m meeting. Tom's wondering who it's with. Leslie's
1: trying to just play it cool and Tom realizes seconds <laughs> before he walks in. it's our favorite loudmouth Carl Lorthner with again, oh, great last God. name. Um, so Carl, just for the uninitiated is a part Sh- Should
0: care. we play this? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You got the clip? Yeah, let's play the clip. And then and then once we're done and we give everybody a taste of Carl, I'd like you to go on and describe Carl.
1: Absolutely. Go for it. <sighs> Leslie, no.
0: <laughs> hey, Carl. What's up, pencil pushers? Haverford, <laughs> good to see you, man. <laughs> Is it hot in here? I feel hot. Are you guys hot? How you guys doing? I'm good. You guys got any snacks?
2: Carl is the head of all outdoor security. Why was he transferred from his indoor desk job, you ask? Listen. Hey, have you seen Avatar? I never saw Avatar. I wanted to read the book first, but then I realized there's no book version of Avatar. What would you guys do for St. Patty's Day? I was wearing this T-shirt that said, kiss me, I'm Irish, but no one would kiss me.
0: Oh, uh, that was another one of those I wish people oh. could see because it just adds to the enjoyment of the scene so much.
1: <laughs> yeah that that was uh that was an awesome clip I, I I love how loud and totally oblivious he is
0: he has no idea does he
1: and so during that clip you know we have um the, the the tom talking head there you know and he's like oh you know why is he? Why was he transferred from indoor to outdoors? Well, just listen. He's he's opening and closing, as you can maybe tell, uh, yeah. the, the the main door to the parks and rec department. And, you know, you can hear Carl's voice very clearly both when it's closed and open. But oh, when it's boy. open, it's almost unbearably loud. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think this scene ends with a, just a very, very short uh, scene still in, in Leslie and Tom's office. You know, Carl's kind of scoffing at Leslie saying, oh, you know, you're all too important to one of your own gets attacked and leslie is just trying to press home the point i i feel like there's more that, that we can do to keep the park safe and carl tells her you know oh you think you know how to do my job well wait till you've walked a mile in my size seven shoes <laughs> and she just kind of mutters like oh, those are pretty small feet and then tom you know being the the manly man he is <laughs> yes. says you know well actually a uh, size seven is the the, the you know, worldwide the, average yeah to which carl points at him and goes
0: Boom! <laughs> uh, vindicated. <laughs>
1: yep, exactly. Yeah.
0: Well, from there, the gang has gathered at Ron's impromptu dojo, which I think is probably in the Pawnee Fitness Center or something. But um, they're about to get some self-defense training on.
1: Yes, yes. Ron with, uh, with back brace on because, you know, hernia. Yeah. Uh, uh, because sure. we, we saw that episode. So, yeah. um, you know, he's all prepared and, and he's addressing Ann and Mark and donna and april and andy and yep. he starts this self-defense course and he tells them you know i'll be showing you how to escape from a variety of situations while inflicting maximum damage on your attackers and um andy and mark verbally spar for a second until ron calls an end to their nonsense and calls ann and andy up front to demonstrate a risk grab escape and learns very quickly Follows directions and takes Andy down, which impresses both Ron and Andy and makes April a little peeved, I think. Um, (laughs) The the, the verbal sparring I was referring to, Andy pipes up. He's such an idiot. God, I love him. He says, um, hey, hey, Ron, do you think maybe I should put Mark in a headlock? That way I can show everyone how to escape a pervert. And Mark just very (laughs) coolly says, "Um, in the scenario you just laid out, you're the pervert. You understand that, right? Andy, (sighs) you wish,
0: (laughs) you (laughs) wish I understood. You know, again, it's another one of those moments. Uh, It's funny, but is Andy trying to humiliate Mark? Is this about Anne again? Like, I just can't get around this thing this week.
1: See, I, I, see, I, I understand why you're saying that. Here is my take on it. I think that, okay, you know how, let's say radioactive waste. Sure, okay. of course. I've if, got some if, right here. Okay. So when you spill your radioactive waste, as I have, of yes, of course, it's bad that it has spilled. But I have learned through bitter, bitter experience that once you clean up your radioactive waste, there is still what the scientists call fallout. Good video game. Yeah, I think that's a great video game. Oh, my gosh. That wait. Oh, different podcast. Okay. So I think that Andy's uh, uh, kind of uh, combative nature towards Mark is just lingering fallout all i don't right. think it's something active all
0: right you know what I, i'm going to give you give him the benefit of the doubt and hope that you're right
1: i i hope i write too
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh my lord uh well following the beginning of the scene at the dojo uh we're back at the park ranger station and leslie and jerry and tom are, are waiting for carl to catch up with them
1: yeah they're I guess they're outside the the Pawnee Park maintenance building, and a few seconds later, Carl pulls up in an electric golf cart, and and <laughs> I they're they're so brilliant on the show. He pulls up and he goes, "You guys ready?" And it scares a whole flock of birds, birds. like several several yards over, and the birds all take off like they're being attacked. It's, it's brilliant. <laughs> so Carl's goal is to give them a tour of the park and show them the problems that they've been facing and that they're doing all they can. Well, they all get in and initially the golf cart has trouble because the four of them are, are just too much weight. Well, as the largest, Jerry is embarrassed and I think he expects that, you know, some fun is going to be made of him or whatever. Right. But Le- Leslie, God bless her, Leslie tactfully has Tom step off and run beside them, which saved like 40 pounds probably. And, mm. and then this somehow allows the golf cart to now proceed. So now the golf cart takes off and Tom's running, you know, b- beside them.
0: Mark, this scene was so jam-packed with gems. I mean, I just the, the bird scene, worm log. I mean, there's just so much here that I just I just love. Carl's talking head about how he's always been a bit of an outdoorsman. Because when he was a kid, his parents would just make him go run around outside until he got tired. But he never gets tired. Tell that to the criminals and the ladies, too. I mean,
1: it's, <laughs> it's just so painful. Oh, yeah. Oh,
0: God, it's so I, good.
1: I love worm log
0: because he's
1: because he's being kind of kind of sincere like i want to give you guys a tour of the park and show you what we're dealing with (laughs) and leslie's like okay well that'll be great yeah and then i want to show you this log it has like
2: 50 worms on it i call it worm log
0: (laughs) just apropos of nothing like dude (laughs) brilliant it is brilliant well and we find out too that you know uh they have had three golf carts you know they had the one that got pushed in the creek by some rotten kids yuck. uh there's this other one that was covered in raccoon urine and then the other one got stolen <laughs> and Tom goes which one is this because oh this is the raccoon piss one
1: <laughs> and everyone kind of looks down like <laughs> they're yuck. looking
0: for the p lol yeah. and yuck yeah uh, so good so good well, following the scene, we're back at the fitness center slash uh, dojo, and, and Ron is engaging Andy in a demonstration for the rest of the group. Yeah, there's, there's a little... Uh, when, when we join them in progress, the scene,
1: we see Ron finishing up a demonstration with Donna. Which I guess she did well at, and I kind of think maybe Ron's holding his crotch a little bit. I can't tell, but I I wonder what, we don't know what happened prior to joining them. There's
0: no deleted scene for support for this either, unfortunately.
1: So, anyway, so Ron appears to be okay, and Donna's proud of herself. And as you said, he next calls up Andy, and Andy does this weird little rolling thing up to where Ron is and then jumps to his feet. Ron. Very impressive, son. Um, Ron tells everybody he's going to engage Andy in an attack hold, and then Andy's going to try and break free, uh, free. Andy is a bit cocky, telling Ron he doesn't want to destroy him, and can mm-hmm. I counterattack once we're done, and you know, will Ron be ready? When all of a sudden, in a flash... Ron grapples Andy and pins his arms to his side. Andy struggles, but is unable to break free, turning more and more red. Uh, April grows concerned, telling Ron to let him go. And finally, Andy goes limp. Ron lets go, and Andy slumps to the floor.
0: Yeah, a little bit scary. Yeah. Well, for a brief moment, we're going to bounce back over to Ramsett Park. And the golf cart gang is about to find the spot where Jerry was actually attacked, I believe.
1: Yeah, they're they're uh, they're back in the golf cart and and uh, Carl's asking Jerry if anything looks familiar. And Jerry says, well, yeah, it happened right over there and points, you know, somewhere. And Carl says, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm not surprised uh, that with budget cuts, they can't afford a single safety light. And there's already been 10 assaults already mm. this year. Um, great little scene where Leslie's like, oh, you know, what well, can't you station a park ranger? And he's like, who do you
2: think's getting assaulted? I'm sorry. I didn't mean to yell.
1: (laughs) So he notices that one, apparently. He
0: did notice that one.
1: Um, So Leslie's determined to somehow get money to, as she puts it, protect Jerry and all of the other helpless, pathetic people in this town. Um, And then this scene ends with Tom and out of breath, Tom finally catching up to the golf cart, only in time for the golf cart to take off again. So good. Yep. Yeah.
0: Well, back at the dojo, everyone's checking on Andy to make sure that he's not been seriously injured.
1: Yes, uh, back at the self-defense course. Andy is now up and around again. He's dazed uh and confused, but apparently okay. <laughs> um Ann and April are, you know, kind of standing over and making sure he's okay. You know, like he he tells Ann he doesn't know what day it is, but as April points out, you never know. You're super bad at days. Um yep. Ron Ask Apollo- Alexa. Ron apologizes, sorry, I squeezed your lights out there, son. Uh, But, you know, Andy's okay. And he doesn't hold any grudges or anything. He just wants Ron to teach him that move, I think. Um, And so I I had a note here that kind of uh, springboards off of what you said earlier, Alan, you know, I I know that Anne is a nurse and I know it's her livelihood to make sure people are okay. I get that. Um, But it seems as though she's fawning over Andy just a bit more than
0: necessary. I agree. And we're not done with it in this episode either. Oh, dear. All right. From here, we're over at the set of Pawnee today. And Leslie's about to go on and talk to Joan about this terrible incident that's happened with Jerry. Yes.
1: Yes. She is on with host Joan Calamezzo, and Leslie's goal is to tell everyone what happened with Jerry and to shine a light on how unsafe some of the parks are. And to this end, whether she meant to or not, Leslie ends up calling out the head of security, Carl Lorthner, saying he's doing his best to keep the park safe, but he's failing. And Leslie then ends it by making a plea to City Hall for more money to fund this endeavor.
0: Very nice. Well, back at City Hall, Leslie is sitting in her office when Paul comes in, and he's clearly heard what Leslie said on Pawnee today.
1: Right. He He's mad because you do not badmouth your own government on TV, right. no matter how upset you are, but he informs her. He's, a little, he's kind of miffed, but yeah. he informs her her little stunt worked, and the mayor, Mayor Gunderson, uh, is going to divert $2,500 to the park for security upgrades. And there's going to be an announcement tomorrow at 10 a.m. in the press room, so bring, you know— the uh, bring the doofus who got his ass kicked and <laughs> Leslie tries to play it off politely. I don't know sure. who you're referring to. We treat everyone with respect and he just kind of stares at her. And she's like, Oh, okay. okay.
0: <laughs> All right. Yeah. <laughs> I can't wait to the day we finally get to meet Mayor Gunderson. Oh yeah. Me too. Yeah. It's going to be good. Well, it's now the next day we're in the press room and Jerry is about to get, have his turn at explaining this horror and personal tragedy that's happened to him.
1: Yes. We see Paul and Leslie and Jerry, they're kind of towards the front and and they're, uh, Paul's talking about what happened with Jerry. He's addressing several people in the press room and, uh, with with the intent of having Jerry shortly uh, come up to the mic. And as you said, tell his tale. Well, while Paul is speaking, Leslie and Jerry are kind of standing off to one side and Leslie notices Jerry is getting more and more nervous. When she asks him if he's okay, Jerry finally reveals. Dun, dun, dun. Mm. He wasn't mugged at all. My goodness. So then this this kind of dovetails into another scene that's very closely related. So Paul motions I guess Paul gets done speaking. He motions for Jerry to, to come up and you know tell his tale. But just having received this news from Jerry, Leslie nervously tells everyone that she's going to speak for Jerry on on account of uh, he has what you call (laughs) their uh, hysterical muteness from trauma. Uh, Jerry says, correct. Leslie's like, Jerry, (laughs) he's Uh screwing even that up. So uh, <clears throat> Leslie says, whatever, I don't think we learned the exact details of what she said, which yeah. is fine. But a few, a few minutes later, we see Leslie dragging Jerry by the arm yeah. through the hallway so they can talk in private. And a furious Leslie lays into him and, and Jerry finally tells.
0: They call this a sidebar, Mark. Oh, is that what they do? Oh, yeah. yeah. She loves yeah. her
1: sidebars. Yep. <laughs> and, Jer- and in this sidebar, Jerry finally tells her the real story. So he was on his way to feed the hummingbirds. He stopped for a, bur- a breakfast burrito, which would explain the farting in the in his presentation. Um, his dog, Lord Sheldon, not a sex act, lunged at a bird. <laughs> he dropped the burrito. It landed on a log in the creek. He went not worm to reach log, though. For it. No,
2: not worm log. That has like 50 worms on it.
1: <laughs> and then it, it landed on a non-worm log in the creek. He went to reach for it. He lost his balance and he fell on his shoulder really weird. So he did dislocate his shoulder. That part of it's true, but, you know, everything else. And so Leslie just very simply asks him, why didn't you just tell everyone the truth? Jerry's response, are you kidding me? Imagine what Tom would have said. (laughs) And what what follows is, and you already alluded to this, this is Uh, one of the greatest talking heads I've ever seen. It's Leslie channeling Tom. Tom Haverford with maybe the best instance of omg i have ever seen just because she's really really emphasizing and that's where she says damn jerry you jumped into a creek for a burrito what would you do for a klondike bar kill your wife (laughs) (laughs) this giant cheesy open mouth grin oh my gosh i laughed out loud (laughs) she nailed it (laughs) yep she absolutely nailed it
0: My my other favorite part of that whole sequence there that that kind of triplet of scenes is, um, you know, she she's trying to figure out why she knows her instinct is she's got to take the mic she can't let Jerry talk or he's probably going to confess it and and she she just she makes up on the spot that he can't talk now because he has hysterical muteness pause from trauma.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> good addition.
0: It was really good. Like if she hadn't said that, you know, we, we might not have bought the whole hysterical mutinous thing. But anyway. hysterical mutinous from trauma. Oh, oh that yeah. one. Yeah. As opposed mm. to the other one. Well, following that sequence, we're at the shoeshine stand and Ann comes up to check on Andy once again. Or as Andy calls it, the shoeshouse.
1: The, the shoe shouse in the beginning of this is kind of cute. I think Andy is maybe, you know, inspired or motivated by Ron's self defense course. Yeah. And we see him, uh, you know, sitting there at a shoe shine stand in the shoe shouse reading Black Belt Defense magazine. And, and, um, we see Anne approach and she tells Andy she just wanted to check in and that she brought some stuff from the hospital like water, a compress, aspirin, some lollipops, which she knows he loves. Um, as Anne finishes saying all this, we see uh, behind Anne, April start to walk around the corner. April sees Anne at the shoe shine stand. She grimaces, she turns around and she starts to leave Andy was in the middle of telling Ann, you know, thank you for this stuff and I'm fine, only to interrupt himself, look over Anne's shoulder and call out to April, Ludgate, what the hell? Because she's not completely gone yet. Right. So at this, April turns around and Andy continues, I got you one of those veggie muffins that you're always eating. <laughs> this is makes april smile and she yep. walks up sit grabs the bag sits down next to andy like she playfully throws a piece of uh, veggie muffin after him, which apparently tastes like a rug yeah, um it does and and appear <laughs> you would know and appears would. to be somewhat non-nonplussed at this uh she you know she she tells andy she's glad he's feeling better she leaves um it, and uh, she has a talking
0: head. Yeah, Mark, I want to play this uh, this this scene here. I don't normally just feature a talking head, but I want to talk about the talking head. So let's play yep. it real quick. go for it.
2: Since when did he start doing stuff for other people? Now I actually am worried that something happened to his brain. People change, I guess.
0: So I, I find this interesting because it's on its own, it's very innocent and standalone-ish, if you will. Right. But, you know, Anne is... And again, I I know we've talked about the geographic layout of City Hall before and whether or not it's nearly impossible to get to the parks office without walking by the shoeshine booth. Although we've seen April kind of take the back way around before. So I feel like it might be possible to have just walked into the parks department without going by the shoeshine booth. And I bring it up because if you compound this, you know, the scene where she talks to him, her thoughts about, you know, Andy here in the talking head. And, and if you combine those with the talking head from the last episode, um, which, which I think is the one that, you know, started me thinking down this path. You know, Anne is having less and less to do with Mark. Mark hasn't really picked up on it yet. But is Anne considering a second go at Andy here? It's very odd to me, this whole sequence of events, you know, and we've been openly annoyed with Andy and his behavior and just not moving on and, you know, letting Anne go and seeing what's in front of him with his eyes wide open. You know, April's been pretty obvious about how much she is into him and he just keeps missing the signals mostly. And now I feel like Anne is starting to pop up with mixed signals back at Andy, which no one in the world wants or needs. Am I wrong?
1: I, I, I have two thoughts on what you just said. Of the, the first is uh, I, I heard you say Anne is considering making a second go at, and then apparently I started bleeding spontaneously from my ears. So <laughs> I, I, th- this is a horrible, horrible thing we're talking about. Like th- this is like saying Candyman three times it's, in a row.
0: It's keeping me up at night. I'm just saying.
1: But the second point, I, I think that, you, and I want to talk about this later. But but okay, I, I, agree, I agree with you. I think that there is some some odd little potential. I don't know if conflict is the right word, but I don't know if I exactly understand what's going on in yeah. Anne's headspace.
0: It's, it's a couple simple lines, but you watch her face and the way, you know, Rashida Jones did a great job acting the sequence, by the way.
1: Yes, she did.
0: And I think her delivery tells me that at least Rashida believes that Anne Perkins is starting to question whether or not she should have held on to Andy a while longer
1: see I, I, I I'll meet you halfway on that the, okay. my my note that I made for myself I made two notes first of all I, I like the 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 interplay between Anne is bringing Andy stuff Andy is bringing April stuff so very yeah. simple it's very kind good. of effective yeah. yeah it is um the other one that I made for myself is I don't I don't know if I would say that Anne is out and out jealous but if not, it's at least in the neighborhood because she's yeah. I think she's starting to really I don't know if she's jealous or if she's resentful. Like, well, why didn't Andy do this for me? I, I guess it could be any number of things. But there's definitely something more going on there than just her her being genuinely concerned, which, as you pointed out, I think she is. But I think there's more there.
0: I think there is more there. And, and even in non-romantic relationships or situations where you've been in one position, you leave it, but you're close enough to see the person who comes into that position next and they somehow do better at it or they get more support. Uh, And then you find yourself like, wow, I wish that had been that way when I was in that role. And maybe that's all it is here. And it's not a romantic interest in Andy as much as, you know, he's finally growing up a little bit and, you know, kind of wearing, you know, the adult head a little more than he did when he was with her. (laughs) And if nothing else, she probably does is a little jealous of that. Yeah, I could see that. There's definitely something going on here. Yeah, absolutely. Well, after this sequence, Leslie is discussing these guilty feelings she's having about spending this money with Mark when she gets a phone call
1: i thought this was a very interesting scene it's an extremely short scene i think it's less than 20 seconds um but leslie is venting to mark in his office regarding what really happened with jerry and how that affects what city hall pledged towards park safety saying that they they now have the money under false pretenses etc and mark has a nice little piece of dialogue here um where he he points out you know some some uh some wisdom, I think, to Leslie yeah. and says, you know what? I think that you have a bigger problem than the money. Specifically, there's someone in your department who is willing to lie about being mugged because he's afraid of his coworkers. Um, and and just a quick note on this. I know that we've kind of said, you know, Brendanowitz is, is kind of bland and, and neutral and stuff. And I know we've said that sort of thing in the past. I think had they used Mark more in this capacity, more like, Everybody else is so zany that he is kind of like a, a stability point that they come to maybe sometimes for wisdom or clarity or I, yeah. I don't know I, I could see him ha- being having been effective in that capacity because I kind of like this
0: but anyway I do too but I think it would have stolen something from Ron eventually mm-hmm. and it would have made Ron's role less important to, uh, in a way that is about to be even more so that's a great point yep yeah. Yeah.
1: So, as you pointed out, I was kind of embellishing that a little bit, but then Leslie's cell phone rings after she receives this nugget of wisdom from Mark, and she answers it um, to receive some worrisome news. Uh, Apparently, something's going on at uh, Pawnee today.
0: Yep, and from there, we're backstage at Pawnee today, and Leslie catches up with Carl, who's clearly about to go on and do some sort of tell-all.
1: Yes, Leslie confronts him in the hallway, asks him what he's doing, and, you know, Carl says...
2: Yeah, since you decided to drag my name through the mud on TV, I figured why not return the favor?
1: But, you know, loud. Um, He he then shows Leslie a video taken by a citizen of two young kids playing ball, but in the background shows Jerry falling into the creek trying to get his burrito, (laughs) thus proving, at least in this instance, that park security was not to blame after all with time running out before Carl's going to go on, you know, go live with Joan. Leslie has a proposition for him and, and we don't hear that, but we, I think we see the effects here in just a
0: second. Yeah. Now we're on the set of Pawnee today. Joan is about to launch into this, uh, you know, this event sequence that happened at Rams park and uh, she starts it off by saying, you know, that, uh, you know, there's a twist to the whole story, but she doesn't know about the other twist.
1: That's right. And Joan sets the stage, so I, I don't know if she's surprised to see both Carl and Leslie there. If if she is, she doesn't show it. You know that Leslie's there all of a sudden, but but she sets the stage for Carl to drop quote a bombshell. That's right. To to which Carl pauses and then <laughs> says,
2: "Yeah, I I finally saw Avatar, and I thought it lived <laughs> up to the hype."
1: And Joan. Is a little nonplussed at this A little upset I think At the lack of bombshell But she turns to Leslie For what hopefully is You know A juicy counterpoint To which Leslie says I have seen Avatar as well And I think it exceeded the hype (laughs) Joan is pissed she but you know she she carries on and she mm-hmm. takes some calls I mean she ends the show um, and they, they flash I gotta say this is after the show's over but they they flash um, backstage uh, Joan approaches Leslie and Carl I think they're by the coffee machine or whatever and she says that segment was a disaster don't you ever bleep me again like that this is Pawnee bleeping today do you know I, <laughs> do you know I bumped a cat that can stand up on it's hind <laughs> hinders for you <laughs> <laughs> Hinder cat got Bumped and uh. Leslie Meekly is you know very Embarrassed and she exits under the scornful Eye of Joan but When Carl begins to leave As well she goes oh no 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 don't make me chase you Hey it's okay do you want to go eat Something and then for the only Time in the show ever, ever <laughs> And maybe ever Carl goes Okay
0: <laughs> Just very quietly <laughs> Uh, uh, so Ness out of wrangle carl so now yep. we know that yeah yep. that's terrific well i think that this whole kind of scene here ends with leslie and a talking head mark talking about how she's great of a part team and you know she just wants to maintain it the best way she can
1: she says you know the best way to maintain a strong team is, is sometimes is just by letting someone know that he is still part of it you know obviously meaning jerry and so, so two interesting things, you know, from this one is that they show that uh, the ramifications of the um, deal that she struck with Carl is that at least part of the money that they got from the city manager or from uh, the mayor, the mayor rather, um, went to buying a new golf cart for the Rangers. Right. So, so good. I mean, they, they deserve at least part of that. I would, I would guess Yeah, they're and, back
0: up to three now.
1: <laughs> that's right. And. The other one is that she has in her possession, she holds up the video cassette and and you know in the talking head she she says this is the only copy and I'm going to destroy it <laughs> right after I watch it one more time cuz I'm sorry but this is so, so good.
0: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, mark this next sequence. I think we we both agree it's pretty much the beginning of the kicker here. I just titled it Jerry just can't help himself. <laughs> See, I I titled
1: it myself. The best revenge is living well.
0: Fair enough. I well, and it's both.
1: You know what? It is both. So it, 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 we're at the bullpen in City Hall, and we see Jerry sitting at the central table, and it looks like he's stuffing envelopes. Maybe I, I, it doesn't matter. Yeah. But but April, we see April walk up to Jerry, tell, and she tells him that she got him a peppermint latte, which is really sweet. Very and nice. Jerry Jerry is very very appreciative, but. As April hands him the styrofoam cup, he, he takes it with his bad arm. He squeezes the cup too hard. The lid flies off and he just boosh, he, he covers himself in coffee. <laughs> April, I think that April is holding back specifically because Leslie asked her and the gang to to do just that. So I think she's still holding on and she's just standing there wide eyed, just like looking like I don't <laughs> think she knows what to do. And then fine. And Leslie and Tom even peek, peek into the bullpen from their office. Like, like it's like the whole office is quiet. Like no one knows what to do. And then finally Jerry says, Oh geez, go ahead. You know? And then April, like, as if she's been holding this in for like five minutes, we should just directly apply the food to your clothes. (laughs) (laughs) And at this Leslie claps her hands and laughs and cheers and goes, hooray making fun of Jerry is back. You know, and everybody Uh laughs. Um, And then they have one of my favorite talking heads just because it's, it's, it's just, it's a good one. And it's, it's Jerry. uh, And what he basically says is uh, he says, they can laugh at me all they want because two more years, it's two more years until I retire with full benefits and pension. And the wife and I, we bought a little cottage on a lake and I'm going to get myself a stack of mystery novels and a box of cigars and I'm going to sit back and I'm going to enjoy my life. And just to to tail off this talking head, like through the window in the background, it's still the talking head. But we hear Tom say through the window, hey, Jerry, April was just double checking the lunch order. Do you want the salmon or the twout? <laughs> and and Jerry isn't even <laughs> ruffled by this. He Jerry just kind of grins at the camera and holds up his coffee cup, you know, while Tom yeah. and April in the background are both chanting twout, 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 twout. 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 I really like that talking head. That was a good one. I did too.
0: Yeah, yeah. I I, I think you you titled it appropriately. Jerry will have the last laugh here because you know we've met his wife and his three lovely daughters. He's got a beautiful home. He's obviously got a little cabin on the lake, and you know all of that for the small, small price of being the butt of jokes daily at the office.
1: We should all be so lucky.
0: We should all be so lucky. I'll sign up for that. I know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, life here at, you know, live from Pawnee worldwide headquarters can be a little tough sometimes, but, you know, if that's all it took, I mean, heck yeah. Yeah. I'll go pick up my cabin tomorrow. (laughs) 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 Too funny. All right, Mark. Well, I think that was a great breakdown of the episode. Why don't we take a real quick break? And when we come back, we'll get into a couple deleted scenes some first tropes and fun facts and we'll score this thing and go home.
1: Sounds like a plan. Let's do it.
0: All right. We'll be right back, everybody.
2: Hello, this is Ron Swanson. Thank you for calling one 800 we You have reached the RSSDSRC hotline and we are here to help. Here at the RSSDSRC, or Ron Swanson Self-Defense and Self-Respect course, we believe that no one should be forced to feel helpless when confronted with raw physical aggression. And now, thanks to a cooperative crossover between the Parks Department and the William Percy Rec Center, yours truly is the teacher, mentor, instructor, and sensei for the best little self-defense course you'll ever have the privilege of taking. Please pay close attention and listen to all options as they have recently changed. If you are a weakling, or your name is Jerry, whose primary combat style is lying still until your opponent leaves, press 1 now. If you are fairly capable, but want to be more knowledgeable of and comfortable with the basics of defending yourself, press 2 now. If you generally know how to throw down, but would like to learn how to counterattack when assaulted by a common criminal, then press 3 now. Thank you. Your selection has been received. You have selected our advanced course, targeting the criminal beanbag, in which there is no shame. Here at the RSSDSRC, we teach the essentials to ensure that you can escape from a variety of situations while inflicting maximum damage on your attackers. I'm talking everything from arm bars, wrist twists, and neck bends all the way up to throat strikes, eye gouges, and of course, eye-watering beanbag punches. When you show up at the RSSDSRC for your first class, tell me I sent you, and receive 50% off of a rare self-defense-themed music single from virtuoso saxophonist Duke Silver entitled Punch to the Throat, Sex to the Heart. Thank you. That is all.
0: All right, everybody, we're back. Well, Mark, I'll I'll just briefly recap uh, for for us here. I think on the deleted scenes, we had 14 of them this week. They clocked in around five minutes and 38 seconds. And of course, uh, we we did play that one clip earlier where, you know, Leslie's talking about, you know, how how much she doesn't like small horses, uh, which I titled... Baby Animals and Blasphemy. Right. Um, but, but beyond that, I mean, you know, there's a couple, uh, I think a couple more Jerry sequences. There's quite a bit of Carl on, on terms of outtakes. But generally, this, like a lot of episodes, you know, I think they took out the stuff that they should have taken out and left in what they should have. So not a lot here that we should talk about.
2: Yeah,
1: agreed. That sounds right.
0: Yep. Uh, in terms of tropes, first fun facts, all those fun things. Um, did you have a lot this week, Mark?
1: I had actually – I didn't have any goofs or fun facts um, or firsts for that matter. Uh, I was tempted to make Carl Lorthner a first, and I realized I don't know if he comes back. I think this might be a a memorable one and done, but I think this is maybe a one and done for him.
0: Well, Um, that's still technically a first. It's just also a last.
1: I guess you're right. Yeah, so (laughs) fair enough. So we'll say that. But I actually had had several tropes. um, Yeah, what do you got? Well, I have – Mouse rat names. So yep. I have scrotation marks and baby in a straitjacket. Got all of them. I have uh, uh, Leslie as superhuman, which is a trope you started. In, and I really like it, which, you know, in where she makes a perfectly embroidered pillow with Jerry's picture on it in a freaking hour. So, well,
0: she probably did and, it in 45 minutes and then went to the bathroom. So,
1: you know what? You're probably right. And I also want to make a real quick point. I missed one from last week that I just want to cover real quick because it, oh, sure. it's, it's in a related note. Ron as superhuman. At least when it comes to woodworking, like we saw him make the harp overnight ah. when he, while he was drunk in the episode Sweetums. And as you pointed out, nerd, he made a multi, multi thousand dollar canoe overnight in the last episode, The Possum. Oh, sure. yeah. So I, I think canoe. Ron, a beautiful canoe. Called so the Huckleberry. <laughs> my God, here we go. Okay, <laughs> moving on. Um, there's another one that you started that I really like. I think basically like having Joan Calamezzo as an antagonist it just kind of continues that trend i guess yep it sure um, did punching bag jerry too many times uh, to count just i put all where over to start place. i know i'm just going to leave it <laughs> leave it there um yep open mouth grin, but perhaps the first time I've ever seen Tom's OMG channeled by someone else. And in this case, Leslie, it was just out freaking standing. And I had a short one. This is kind of a mini trope. I realized that Carl might be a one and done, but they had so many instances where they cleverly demonstrated how freaking loud his voice is. Like, for example, I call this loud mouth Carl. Tom opening and closing the door at the Parks and Rec (laughs) Department to demonstrate how loud his voice is. Carl scaring a flock of birds into flying away by the sound of his voice alone. <laughs> also, I noticed when he was on Pawnee today, yeah. a glimpse behind the camera as he was talking shows that Carl is clipping a VU meter into the red every single time he spoke. Oh my which God, I, I missed was, it. That's brilliant.
0: I've got to go back just to watch that.
1: And see, and once again, to me, this degree of funny background detail is very, very reminiscent of the great sitcom Arrested Development, which is yep. a huge, huge compliment to the cast and writers.
0: It really is. I mean, it's one of those shows where I think the third and fourth watch will still yield something you probably didn't see or remember. That's exactly right. I agree. Yep. Wow. Wow. Well, that's, that's a great list, Mark. Um, I didn't, I don't really have anything to add to that. I think not only did I not have some of those, the ones I did have you, you, you covered well. I think the only other thing that, you know, maybe a fun fact of a sort would be that, you know, Amy Poehler and Adam, Andy Sandberg knew each other from Saturday Night Live. um, And I got to imagine that that played a, played a role in him coming on as Carl (laughs) Lorthner. I just love saying that. (laughs) Carl Lorthner. Uh, But yeah, no, (laughs) I have enjoyed so many of the guest stars and we've whined a little bit about screen time and things like that. But in general, the quality of the guest stars on this show is just pretty amazing. It really is.
1: I did want to make one other note, and this is apropos of nothing, but I think yeah. you and I agree how much we liked Andy Sandberg as Carl yeah. in this. I thought he was yeah. very, very funny. I liked his loud shtick. Yeah. It's interesting to me. I, I read a few reviews very, very quickly, and apparently there were a lot of people who were like, This is stupid. I don't find this funny. Maybe, maybe in the sense of they, maybe they thought he did it too much. Like, okay, it's funny for the first time, but I don't want to hear it five more times. The only reason I'm saying this is because I thought it was extremely funny. However, I do. I am. I am thankful that they didn't put more from the deleted scenes in because yeah, I can understand balance. how for certain mm-hmm. people that may have began to be overkill. You know what? That's so, fair.
0: That's I, and I think. I think that you know, in terms of guest star screen time and chewing up the screen and stealing away from the main cast and you know that Mm. i I feel like it was pretty well balanced but you're right any more would have been too much and there was enough here so that the one time that you know in the clutches of joan calamezzo the (laughs) the cougar (laughs) we get we get the tiny little voice whisper from carl right (laughs) terrific so yeah well, Mark, you know what? I think all that's left is for us to score this sucker and go home.
1: I think you're right. Well, who should go first? What do you think?
0: Oh, God. After last week, you're definitely going first. I don't care.
1: <laughs> all right. All right. Well, so just a quick rundown of the of the characters as I see them for this episode. For Jerry, oh, my gosh. I love Jerry. I mean, there are so many people who love Jerry. This was a great and much-needed Jerry-centric episode, and not only for a platform as or for Jim ha- Jim O'Hare, but also to explore the nature of, as we like to call it, the punching bag Jerry or PBJ, which has yeah. been well established since I want to say the episode practice date earlier in the season. Like there, I think that was the episode where they really said this is a thing. Yeah. Um, from what I read on Wikipedia, I think the intent of this episode was to convey that although everybody mocks him they don't hate him and and jerry as we saw at the end of the show doesn't take the jokes personally so i think this is a really heartfelt yet important point to make because as much as we all like pbj the audience doesn't want to see people being outright mean i well i don't anyway so i thought that this was nice um for Leslie, I liked how Leslie would frequently giggle good-naturedly at Jerry jokes, but she was also the very first one to step up. She was the first one to say he was her friend and they are there for him and that they love him as embroidered on the pillow. Yes, she <laughs> enjoys PBJ, but she is also fiercely loyal to her friends, which unmistakably includes Jerry. So good yeah. on her. <laughs> um Ron and Tom, they neither one was used a whole bunch, but I felt like they were both very, very effective when they were on screen. I especially liked Ron's self-defense course. Um, I, I, as I said, I thought it was interesting that Ron appeared to stay a little bit neutral when PBJ moments came up, like even more so than Leslie to an extent, which I just thought was interesting. Um, for for Andy and April and Ann that whole thing for Andy first of all there's great physical comedy getting taken down by Ann knocked out by Ron uh, I thought there was good plot progression of the April Andy relationship um <clears throat> for April I think there was believable but not over the top emoting of jealousy very nice scenes with with Andy um for Anne, uh, Rashida Jones decent job not a lot of scenes but she did okay I hate that she it seems like she's paying more attention to Andy than she needs to but that doesn't mean that she didn't do a good job with the scenes that she was given. So decent, decent job. Yeah. Um, Mark and Donna, they were both kind of relegated to background players. Uh, great facial expressions by Donna. I mean, she, she's she's great at that. And, and no, this episode was no exception. As I already mentioned, I kind of like Mark being like a source of wisdom. It, it, it does kind of interfere with maybe what they want to eventually do with Ron, but I just feel it makes this character more interesting. So anyway, enough of that. All right. <clears throat> On to Mark's score. So I, I like the story and plot. Um, I'm going to give this a, a four base score. Uh, some bonus points. I have a half point for Carl Lorthner. Uh, <laughs> I, I love this shtick. I love the whole thing. I like Mark, December. was that a
0: half point? That was only
1: a half point. I'm going to call this a half point review. Um, just like worm log, um, <laughs> I, an, an, another half point for the return of Joan Calamezzo by the great Mo Collins. Um, another half point for Jerry's awesome presentation ending with the pants splitting and farting. Um, <laughs> a half point for Ron's self defense course which cracked me up. Um, a half point for Andy and April getting tighter. You stay away, Ann. Or, or, or as or as as old Gus would say, fair. I said that in the last episode. I stand by it. Another half point for Mark imparting some wisdom to Leslie. I I really did like that. And I'm going to give another whole point for a well-done, sweet, funny, much-needed episode about Jerry. Good on you. Jim O'Hare is awesome. And, And Donna needs this, too but I'm I'm glad that Jerry could could get it. Well well done. So yeah. my final score here is is 8 little Sebastians. This is a really solid episode. It was a memorable one. Uh, you know, Alan, I feel like for quite a while, maybe the last 12 episodes or so, we've been hovering around this 7.5, 8.5 range. Yeah. You know, where it's obvious that the episode we're looking at is a great episode, but we're trying to determine, well, how great could it be? Honestly, with this one with the right argument, I could see altering my score a half point up or down from from where I am, but I feel comfortable saying an 8. So, That's it. What do you got?
0: All right. Nice job. Um, you know, you you covered a lot of what I wanted to say. And I, I so I won't repeat anything. Um I would just add a couple things. I would say, you know, I enjoyed uh some of the physical uh comedy of Tom this time, you know, running alongside the golf cart mm-hmm. and stuff and that he wasn't sleazy Tom. So, you know, uh, I'm gonna give it a half point for that. Oh, wait, no, I don't do that. Um, you know, I, I think again, I'm no. with you on Mark here. I, I really liked the the role he played here, and it's it's kind of a darn and shame that for whatever reason it's not going to work out. You know? I know, I know. Um, we're gonna we're gonna have a little bit of a feature here on Mark toward the end as things kind of wind up for him. So we'll talk more about that, and we'll save most of our commentary for that. But okay, um, I've already kind of expressed my annoyance with Anne, or at least the way her character was written here. You know what though? If I if I really look at it through a uh, sympathetic lens, if she was truly with Andy for two years. And now this there's this clearly better version of Andy standing in front of her. I don't know if I blame her. And I don't think it is romantic. I think it is that kind of I wish he'd been better when I was with him kind of thing more than anything else. Um, and that's the way I'm going to write it off so I can live with it. Otherwise, I can't. <laughs> I think for for Andy himself here, I love that, you know, he had the breakfast burrito for for April and that, you know, right in the middle of this conversation with Ann, if he truly was into her uh, and the the annoying way he had been up till now, he probably wouldn't have called out for April. Right. Right. Um, So I think he has turned the corner and I don't think he'll turn back, obviously. Um, And then I love that once April was called out, she just came over, plopped down and acted like she didn't care that Anne was there at all. So good for her. That's the way that's the right way to play that scene, Uh, both as April and as Aubrey. Um, Ron, I love the manly self-defense class here. I think it's just so Ron, Um, like you said, not a lot of contribution in terms of lines or even real, you know, funny, funny stuff. But uh, I thought it was well played and it was in character for sure. For me, I just thought this scene, and we talked a little bit of it before we came on air today, there were so many things we could have played in terms of funny lines and dialogue. A lot of funny visuals that don't translate that well to a podcast, unfortunately, despite our our awesome viewers um, and how well they can imagine things in their head, I'm sure. I, I came in at eight Little Sebastians this week. I had some reservations about my score last week. I gave it eight and a half. I think it was, like I said, it was one of those where I was really teetering hard between eight and eight and a half. Um, and I did again this week. Um, I think I gave the score, the correct score this week, maybe the wrong score last week. And if we could split the difference, I would have given them both 8.25. Nice. Nice.
1: So yeah. the takeaway is that my score is correct.
0: Yes. And I was wrong last <laughs> week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Put those on the on the list and check them off. Yes, absolutely.
1: no. As as always, I I like your reasoning and I think that that's a great uh, you know explanation of of uh, where we're going. This really was uh, a, a great episode. You know, it, it's it's only ever considered dare I say not great only in comparison to the truly truly stellar few that have scored like a nine I think is our max but but this is a great episode I would recommend it to anybody um, uh, good plot advancement great yeah. funny moments I mean the works
0: yeah I think it's even one of those if somebody wasn't watching the show from the beginning and they just wanted to watch and sample a random episode this one had a lot going for it in that regard you didn't have to know necessarily a ton of backstory to enjoy it so yeah, it's, it's good in that regard as well.
1: I, I would completely agree. You know, the, the, the one note I'll say and then I'm done is is that, you know, it, it may not just be when Anne is, uh, you know, kind of fawning over Andy maybe a little bit more than she should. It might be not, I, I agree with you. I don't think that she has a romantic interest in him. It could be because she's a little resentful that it, he, it wasn't this improved version of Andy yeah. when he was with her. But I also think it's because she's not enraptured with Mark. And so maybe she true. just isn't like, tied down to that like emotionally so she's just kind of like oh look at this you know
0: i think you're right and i think that theme is about to surface in a pretty major way here at the end of season two and beginning of season three
1: mm. all yeah. right we'll see
0: absolutely yep well we'll be back next week with the uh season two episode 20 which is called summer catalog and i'm looking forward to reviewing that one and uh, i think after that we've got four remaining episodes and uh, we're done with season two
1: wow can't believe it it's going by
0: it really is at the beginning i thought it was going to last forever now it feels like it's just uh rolling downhill it's it's just we're all dust in the wind (laughs) (laughs) thank you kansas yep (laughs) all right everybody well we'll talk to you next week and uh looking forward to it then all right bye everyone bye everyone live from pawnee is a copyrighted production of the creators Copyright 2020. All rights reserved. Original
1: music was created and performed by Aaron Emerson of Emerson Studios. Clips are used under fair use doctrine for the purpose of commentary and parody. Please see our website at livefrompony.com for more
0: details or to contact us. All right. Good job, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>